second. I'm I'm a mess today. Hello. 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 Can you can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? You can't hear oh, me, can you? What? I didn't have my computer's volume on. Oh, can you hear me? I can. I'm just a dipshit. <laughs> I look terrible today because I'm sick and I don't feel well. I'm sorry. It's not all right. Yeah, no, I had to take a shower. I was like, <laughs> I got home like I need to almost an hour ago and I was like, I have just enough time to throw some food in my face and take a shower. Uh, I gotta turn my speakers up too. And Artie oh needs to stop doing that. <laughs> Artemis, hey, quit it! He's pulling clothes out of the dirty hamper, and it's a tall hamper. Artie sounds like Burl. He does kind of sound like Burl. A little bit. He's gonna make some noise and cause some trouble. I see it in his eyes. <laughs> He's just waiting for it. Mm. All right, well, I'm ready to begin when you are. I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. All right. So, how you been, other than not feeling well? Wait, let's okay. let's take it back. Let's welcome people to supposedly. Oh, yeah, I guess we're supposed to do that. It's not just hanging out. I feel like I haven't seen you in so long, because we had, like, our guests on last time. That I know. It feels so different. Okay. It did. So, hey. again. This is hey! <laughs> hey, welcome to Supposedly, Supposedly. the show uh, where we talk about weird stuff. And kind of struggle to find an intro, apparently, this week. Yeah. <laughs> so, Rue, you sent me a picture, and you looked just like you had a rough night. What happened? <laughs> you know, I felt jealous because you got a whole head. And I wanted to feel special, too. I was in a commercial today. <gasps> Yay! first German commercial. No, it's still American. It was for the... Oh! Yeah, it was for our post. Um, no, so our gyms are finally allowed to open on base. Yeah. And it's very exciting. But we're making a video because there's all sorts of rules and regulations now for how to stay safe in the right. gym environment during COVID. And so it's like, you know, you have to do social distancing. Everyone, you know, one person can enter at a time. You have to wash your hands coming in and out and all that jazz. And so we made like, it's kind of a cheesy, it, it almost looks like one of the, you know, your your job at Wendy's kind of instructional videos, which is the point. I love those. It's a lot of fun. Um, and so one of them, you know, there's, we've got this guy narrating. He's like the head of the gyms and he's narrating and he's like, if you appear sick, you will be turned away. And so I had to be the sick person trying to work out. So I had to, I, I looked tragically bad. I looked even worse than the picture I sent you. That was like the test run. I just want to know who goes to work out when they're sick. I can't do anything when I'm sick. I'm barely doing this podcast right now and I feel <laughs> like crap. So. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just the military mindset. I've watched Darnell like go to his morning exercise with like, a stuffy head and feeling like crap so yeah no thank you yeah no not not a fan but yeah it was a lot of fun I got to look really terrible and Your then makeup I was like looked fantastic thank you I did it myself yeah hey, major props 
Yeah. No, it was funny though. Cause like later I was, we were going to get some more like B roll and I was like in the car with a baby wipe because every time that you go through a gate to get somewhere else on post, you have to show your ID and like they have the questionnaire of like, do you have any of these symptoms? And I was like, I look like a zombie. Like I am typhoid rue right now. And so I'm like scrubbing my <laughs> face with a baby wipe before we get to the next gate. And they're like, oh, they look no. in the car and look at me and I'm like kind of red from scrubbing, but I'm like, hey, what's up? <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm fine. I swear. Yeah. I swear. Yeah, what's this fight on my terrible. arm? I don't know. Oh, man. Yeah, I love watching people's reactions when you have any sort of makeup on and forget oh, and just kind of go out in public or are forced to go out in public moving from one location to the next. Yeah. I played a car crash victim once, and I was out in public with the makeup on moving from location to location, and people thought I was seriously injured. I had to have a black eye for a domestic scene once, and I had a long break. So I thought, hey, this is the perfect time for me to run and just get some Taco Bell real yeah. quick. It was the middle of the night. Totally forgot I was wearing it. Going to run, get some Taco Bell, go back to set, finish my thing. Well, I go through Taco Bell, and they just look horrified but give me my meal. And it wasn't until I got home that I realized, oh, they think somebody punched me in the face. Yep. Oh, well. Just part of the life. How many bean burritos do you need? And what address should we deliver these bean burritos <laughs> to? <laughs> yeah, they looked concerned, but nobody said anything. And I'm just like, why are oh. they looking at me like that? And then, it, you know, it dawned on me, crap. Yeah, I do have a really bad black eye look right now, even though I was fine, clearly. Yeah. I used to work in a haunted house, actually several. But, I mean, with that comes the territory of, like, you're driving home at, like, four in the morning. Right, of course. And... I'm this, I think I was 16, maybe 17, mm -hmm. and I'm driving home at four in the morning. My first car was a 1988 Crown Vic, uh -huh. so like the big Beverly Hills cop car style. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm driving home, and I come through like a sobriety checkpoint. Oh, man. And I'm like, oh, yeah, no biggie. But that night, I didn't really wipe my face at all. I was just like, ugh, I just want to get home, hop in the shower, I'll scrub it Right, down. you don't think about it. All you think is, I'm going to go to the shower, get in the yeah. shower, and then it's just your commute home as normal. Yeah, and my character wasn't particularly bloody. I was, like, one of the distractions. Uh-huh. But I had what would probably be considered, um, stripper makeup, if you will. Okay. I had, and we love sex workers, but I'm talking the bad stereotype from the 80s. I had, like, blue eyeshadow up to my eyebrows, and, like, it was not a good look. And so I get, you know, pull through, have the police officer shining the light right in my eyes. Oh, where are you going? I was like, home. He's like, where are you coming from? Work. And he goes, oh, ho, ho, where do you work? And I was like, at the haunted house and he's like mm-hmm like he he was not buying it oh, and I'm man. sure he thought that I was coming home from a shift at a different type of establishment <laughs> oh, little man. does he know I don't have the coordination for that line of work and I have <laughs> mad respect for the people who do oh wow yep. see that's always been a fear of mine that I get pulled over after a, a particularly bloody horror film or something or I get pulled over when after I've picked up the head that I purchased or anything <laughs> like that. 
which I still haven't purchased it. I have okay. plans to. Okay. I want to. But haven't done it yet. I just am afraid I'm going to get pulled over with my own head in the trunk. And they're going to see it. And, oh, that's going to be a mess. But maybe that's not. that's an knows. example of our white privilege. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's a fake head, I swear. It's mine. See, me, me, me. <laughs> also, we're going to segue and say, defund the police, hashtag Black Lives Matter. Uh, go donate to a fund because they still need it. Absolutely. And arrest the people who killed Breonna Taylor. Anyways. Yep. yep. Now that we got our housekeeping. Let's, uh, should we get into, get into some spooky stuff today? I think we probably should. Who goes first? Uh, well, we did guess last week, so we either one it. of us could go first. Okay. My notes are going to be chaotic because I forgot to charge my tablet, so I'm going to have to, like, split screen to my notes on my computer, so... Okay, whatever you want to do. Um, I could go first if you need yeah. a little more time to get that involved. Go for it. Mine's a little short. Mine's kind of okay. weird. So Here, um, I hope you take this part out because I'm about to cough. Okay. I'm going to turn my mic down. <coughs> I don't have COVID, I swear. <laughs> I've been taking my temperature every day. It's just a cold. Well, that's the ironic thing. So I looked like that earlier and I like scrubbed it off. But then I yeah. worked in our theater all day, and we're, like, trying to get ready for some renovations now that we're able to be more present after COVID, and I was just kicking up all kinds of dust. So by the end of it, I do have a scratchy throat, and my nose and eyes are all red from all the dust. And I was like, man, we should have just recorded, like, six hours later, or should have just filmed, like, six hours later. I'd have been spot on for the part. There you go. You know, as a standardized patient, I have to portray a cold a lot. And uh, people always tell me, oh, my God, you know, you cough really well. And I really believe you're sick. I'm really good at faking sick because I faked <laughs> sick a lot as a child just to get out of field day and things like that. And it helps. That but it served me well in my life. It helps that we're both so pale, too. It's like, wow, That's you true. look really sick. Oh, thank yeah. you. This is my I face. I just don't, don't put any concealer on under yep. the eyes. and. And I can pass. But today I'm not faking. I do not feel that well. Oh. Rue might be editing around some coughing and some some stuff. Once again, it's not COVID. According to the good. health department website, <laughs> I am in the clear. And should I get a temperature immediately, I would go in and be tested. Yes. But Let's hope you don't so have to so get good. something shoved in your brain like a lobotomy. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to that if I have to, but so far it, it really just mashes up with bad allergies and a sinus yeah. infection. Yeah, I bet. That being said, I am going to talk to you today about one of my, I feel bad saying one of my favorite true crimes, but for some reason I just identify with the victim in this so much that it's always stood out to me. So, this like, one been, of your most fascinated ones, or, like, one that you find the most compelling? I just relate to this poor victim for some reason. Mm -hmm. On some level, this is always called to me. I'm a huge fan of Unsolved Mysteries, and yes. this was a segment that was featured in Unsolved Mysteries back in the 80s or early 90s. And um, I, I just really wanted to tell her story. So Yes. I'm excited. So this is where you're going to put the segment. Yep. You don't have to pause. I can just, like, cut and splice anywhere. No, but okay. I just want to, like... <laughs> you're you know, good. You'll take this out, right? <clears throat> of course. Okay. 
Let me take a drink of water before I start this, too, because... Yeah, that's part of why I think you should go first, is, like, save your voice. This is a long one. Okay. For me. Today I'm going to talk to you about Grace Mae Brown. So Grace Mae Brown grew up in South... Oh, shit. How do you say this? O-T-S-E-L-I-C. I'm sorry. Hold on. I need to spell it. O T S. E-L-I-C. Ostelic? Ostelic? O-T-S-E-L-I-C? Uh-huh. Ostelic? Yeah. Ostelic? Okay. I don't know. Ostelic? We'll get hate mail. It'll be our first email. I'm just going to take it out. Okay. Okay. Grace Mae Brown grew up in South New York. She was a middle child and a daughter of a successful dairy farmer and his wife. Now, when she was young, she was reportedly given the name, or the nickname, rather, Billy, because of her love for the contemporary hit song at the time, won't you come home, Bill but Bailey? She attended grammar school in the village and became close friends with the teacher, Maud Kinnan Crum, and her husband. Now, Grace later often signed her love letters to Kid after Western outlaw Billy the Kid. In 1904, at the age of 18, Grace Mae Brown moved to nearby Cortland to live with her married sister Ada and to work at the new Gillette Skirt Factory. It was there in 1905 that she met the factory owner's nephew, Chester Gillette. Now, Chester was described by many as charming, popular, athletic, and extremely handsome. He was seen to be quite the catch at the time due to his family's immense wealth and established history. Grace and Chester became... Take that back. Grace and Chester began a secret love affair. Now, Chester never took Grace in public or acknowledged their romance and was often seen with other women from wealthy, established families. He was even con he even convinced Grace to see him without... I'm going to take that back again. Mm -hmm. I'm flailing today. I'm sorry. You're good. <clears throat> Grace and Chester began a secret love affair. Now, he never took Grace in public or acknowledged their romance, and he was often seen with other women from wealthy, established families. He even convinced Grace to see him without a chaperone, which in those days put her reputation at great risk. Dang. Yeah. Her friends didn't care for Chester at all and often convinced, tried to convince her what a cat. Ugh, man, I'm failing here. Can I just start the whole damn thing? Yeah, over? go for it. Okay. Sorry, I really don't feel good. <laughs> I'm sorry. And the garage is opening, so I'm going to wait until that stops. If it makes you feel better, everything I'm doing is in Japan, and I have to say a lot of really hard Japanese words and names later. Oh, that does make me feel quite Okay, better. yeah. So you okay. can only fuck up so bad. I'm going to fuck up and insult other people's culture, so. All right. Yeah. Well, looking forward to that. <laughs> Grace Mae Brown grew up in salt. <sighs> fuck me. Okay. Grace Mae Brown grew up in South Aesthetic, New York. Now, I could be pronouncing that wrong. Remember, I'm very sick, and there's a lot of cold medicine coursing through my system at the moment. <laughs> she was the middle child and daughter of a successful dairy farmer and his wife. When she was young, she was reportedly given the nickname Billy because her love for the contemporary hit song at the time, Won't You Come Home, Billy Bailey. Grace attended grammar school in the village and became close friends with her teacher at the time, Maud Kinnan Crum, and her husband. Now, Brown later often signed love letters as the kid after the western outlaw billy the kid and many believe that this was ties to her song won't you come home billy Bailey." in 1904 at the age of 18 
Grace Mae Brown moved to nearby Cortland to live with her married sister Ada and to work at the new Gillette Skirt Factory. It was there in 1905 that she met the factory owner's nephew, Chester Gillette. Chester was described by many as being charming, popular, athletic, and handsome, and he was seen to be quite the catch at the time due to his family's immense wealth and established history. Grace and Chester began a secret love affair. Now, he never took Grace in public or acknowledged her romance, and he was often seen with other women from wealthy, established families. Oh. Yeah. Chester even convinced Grace to see him without a chaperone, which in those days put her reputation at immense risk. Of course, due to this behavior, Grace's friends didn't quite care for Chester at all, and they often tried to convince her what a cat he was, and that she didn't know his true nature. But Grace's heart them. wanted... Right? Listen to what your friends. friends. But Grace's heart wanted Chester, and it wasn't long before she fell pregnant in early spring of 1906. Grace returned to her parents' home in South Ostet... There's that fucking word again. Okay. Grace returned to her parents' home while keeping her pregnancy... Uh, I'm just going to start that again. I'm, not, okay. I'm just going to take out the fucking word I can't say, because I'm... The place she grew up. Yeah. <laughs> Grace returned to uh, please edit out all this and make me sound like I yeah. know what I'm doing. Okay. Grace returned to her parents' home while keeping her pregnancy a secret. That's where she began to begging. <sighs> Dear God, I hope I get through this. <laughs> uh, Grace returned to her parents' home while keeping her pregnancy a secret. She begged Gillette to marry her. After repeated attempts, he relented, and they planned to... Damn it, bro. Just take it. They planned to. Just keep going. I'll just make it all fluid. Grace returned to her parents' home while keeping her pregnancy a secret. She begged Gillette to marry her multiple times, and after repeated attempts, he relented, and he planned to take her away to the Adirondacks. Grace packed her entire wardrobe for the trip, Oh While Gillette packed just a small suitcase, monogrammed with his initials, C-E-G. Some 21st century writers suggest that Gillette may have, instead of offering to marry her, promised to take Brown to a maternity home in upstate New York, where she could live until she delivered the child. Mm -hmm. Though it's often accepted that he promised to marry her, and this was an elopement. Chester and Grace stayed for a night in Utica, New, Utica, New York? Yeah. Okay. Chester and Gillette... Uh, I hate myself right now. Oh, you're fine. I want to go to bed. <laughs> Chester, this is how much I love you and I love our listeners that I'm hey, here doing this. I offered <laughs> to reschedule. I know, but I'm trying. Okay. Chester and Grace stayed for a night in Utica, New York, where they continued their trip by train the next day to Tupper Lake in Franklin County. They spent another night there, and due to rain the next day, that had ruined their plans for an outing at a nearby lake. So they decided to return by South Train to Big Moose Lake. Big Moose Lake. Fuck it, I'm starting again. <sighs> Chester and Grace stayed for a night in Utica, New York, where they continued their trip by train to Tupper Lake in Franklin County. They spent another night, and due to rain the next day, which ruined their plans for an outing at a nearby lake. Instead, they opted to return by South Train to Big Moose Lake in Herkimer, Herkimer, Herkimer County, New York. Someone from New Chester York correct us. 
Herkmer, Herkimer, Herkimer. Oh, Herkmer. To a county in New York. Where Chester entered, where Chester, <laughs> please edit all this out. I will. I got you. I'm coming near the end of this, okay. but it's also so far away. <laughs> Chester and Grace stayed for a night in Utica, New York, where they continued the trip by train to Tupper Lake. Fuck it. Chester and Grace stayed. I feel so, so fucking defeated right now. I'm yeah. going to start crying. It doesn't sound okay. like, you sound good. You're just getting tripped up. Just power through. I know. I just, my head hurts and it's hard and like the words don't look right right now to me. So. Sorry. And now baby's crying. Why are the babies here today? Uh, uh Skylar slammed her finger in the door oh. and busted open the top of her finger a couple weeks ago. Oh. So she had to go have stitches, and today she had the stitches removed, so Christy was watching Scarlet, little baby Scarlet. So gotcha. Yeah, well, they got those stitches out. But needless to say, baby and big sister are not very happy. Understandably. <laughs> okay. Chester and Grace stayed for a night in Utica, New York, where they continued their trip by train to Tupper Lake in Fra Franklin County. I'm fucking this up so bad. I might just take this goddamn paragraph out. I'm sure we've gotten enough takes that I'll be able to, like... Nope! Take all of those! Okay. Kill those! Okay. <laughs> Kill those takes. Chester and Grace stayed for a night in Utica, New York, where they continued their trip by train to Tupper Lake in Franklin County. They spent another night, and due to the rain the next day, which ruined their plans for an outing on a nearby lake. They opted to return by South Train to Big Moose Lake in Herkimer County. Now, I'm probably also pronouncing this incorrect, but it's in New York. Chester entered the name Carl Graham in the hotel register, choosing a name based on his monogrammed initials. On July 11th, the couple rented a rowboat from a man named Robert Morrison and were then seen rowing out on Big Moose Lake near Covewood Lodge. Morrison expected them to return with the boat near dinner time, and when they hadn't returned, he found it very suspicious. Now, I don't know if he found it suspicious that maybe something had happened or maybe that his rowboat just wasn't returned, but fearing the worst, Robert Morrison organized a search party the next morning, and it wasn't long before they came across the capsized rowboat. A short distance away, they found Grace's body floating in the water. No. Two days later, police located Chester Gillette in a nearby hotel. When questioned, he denied ever knowing Grace Brown. He gave multiple explanations as to what happened that day, including that Grace had drowned herself in despair because he didn't love her anymore. In his hotel room, the police confiscated love letters from Grace to Chester, let me start that part again. The police confiscated love letters from Grace to Chester found in his hotel room as evidence. District Attorney George Ward read the letters aloud to the court during the trial in the fall of 1906, and the letters even gained great notoriety and went on to make the trial a national hoop-de-hoo. The police confiscated letters from Grace to Chester found in his hotel room as evidence. District Attorney George Ward read the letters out loud to the court during a trial that fell in 1906, and the letters gained the trial national attention. 
and Minnie Grace pleaded with Gillette to accept responsibility for her pregnancy. And in her final letter, written July 5th, Brown looked forward to her trip with Gillette. She said farewell to her childhood home, wishing she could confess her pregnancy to her mother. I'm going to quote now directly from Grace's letter that was read at trial. I know I shall never see any of them again. And Mama, great heavens, how I do love Mama. And I do know... I'm going to try that again. <clears throat> Let me get some water. I'm sorry. I'm making your editing job so fucking hard today. You're totally fine. Now I'm going to quote directly from Grace's letter that was read at the trial. I know I shall never see any of them again. And Mama, great heavens, how I do love Mama. I don't know what I shall do without her. Sometimes I think if I could tell Mama, but I can't. She has enough trouble as it is, and I couldn't break her heart like that. If I came back dead, perhaps she does not know. She won't be angry with me. Copies of the love letter were published in a booklet form and sold outside the courtroom during the trial. The trial lasted three weeks. The defense of the trial claimed that Grace had been confused and suddenly jumped out of the boat and into the water, despite being fully clothed. Gillette testified, and I quote, we talked a little more, and then she got up and jumped in the water. She just jumped in. What? As the trial went on, it was speculated and later accepted that Gillette had struck Grace over the head with a tennis racket, rendering her unconscious prior to her drowning. Jesus, you gotta hit someone hard with a tennis racket to knock them unconscious. Right? And then, I see, it's speculated. They don't know if he knocked her unconscious causing her to fall over or he knocked her unconscious and threw her into the water yeah well and okay. he was very vague about it so you said that she went back to stay with her parents but she never yes. told them that she was pregnant she just was like i'm gonna go home no she went uh, she returned okay. home and she kept the pregnancy a secret while she was at home with her parents all the while begging chester to marry her then gotcha. they arranged this trip it's believed that the trip was to be an elopement. Right, right. Um, but some people argued that maybe she was going to be dropped off at this unwed mother's home. It's mm -hmm. not really quite certain why they were going on this trip. Gotcha. But the fact that Grace packed all of her clothes is very highly suspicious. And yeah. Chester barely packed anything. Right. She knew she was going to be gone for a while. Right. And when you hear her last letter where she talks mm -hmm. about never seeing her parents again. Yeah. I, to me, it reads like perhaps she had a suspicion of what was going to happen or maybe that they were going to say that she had passed and she was just going to disappear from her parents' life to go right. on to marry Chester and live this great life or mm -hmm. she was just going to kind of fade into the blackness in this unwed mother's home. Yeah. But either way, she didn't want to bring shame onto her family by revealing that she had become pregnant out of wedlock, which is very sad. It is. That's awful. Chester Gillette was found guilty for premeditated murder of Grace Brown and was sentenced to death. The New York County... Uh, Chester Gillette was found guilty for the premeditated murder of Grace Brown and was sentenced to death. The New York Court of Appeals affirmed the conviction and Governor Charles Evans Hughes refused to grant clemency. Gillette was executed on March 30th, 1909. I think someone's... Hang on. I'm going to have to say that again because Christy yep. was yelling. Gillette was executed on March 30, 1908, in Auburn Correctional Facility by electric chair. 
It was reported by the Los Angeles Herald that he went to his death without a sign of weakness and with the same lack of emotion he exhibited since his arrest. Whoa. The state, I know. In a statement released after his death, he implored men to live Christian lives. Now, it should be noted that Gillette never publicly or privately admitted to the drowning of Grace Brown. Hmm. Sadly, her and Gillette's deaths aren't the end of the story. The true crime went on to inspire many fictional treatments. Are you hearing all that in the background? A little bit. Um, okay. Here, just be silent for a minute. Okay. Okay, that should be good. I'll just try and, like, correct out the room. Get that out. Sadly, her and Gillette's deaths aren't the end of the story. The true crime went on to inspire many fictional treatments, such as Theodore Drescher's 1929 novel, An American Tragedy, and Jennifer Donnelly's 2003 novel, A Northern Light. The murder was analyzed and explored in two nonfiction books, both published in 1986. Adirondack Tragedy, The Gillette Murder Case of 1906, written by Joseph W. Bronwell, and Patricia A. Warzewick, A Murder in the Adirondacks, A Tragedy Revisited by Craig Brandon. Decades later, Hollywood turned this tortured love story into a hit film, A Place in the Sun, starring Shelley Winters, a 17-year-old Elizabeth Taylor, and Montgomery Cliff, in which Grace Brown is portrayed as an unattractive nag, which just breaks my heart. Yeah. Tobias Picker composed the music for an opera adaptation of a match of an American tragedy in 2005 with a libretto by Jean Schreer commissioned by the Metropolitan Opera. Hmm. The work later went on to premiere at Lincoln Center in New York City. Dang, that's cool. As if her portrayal as an unattractive nag wasn't enough, for generations, Grace's spirit has been said to haunt Big Moose Lake near the Clovewood Lodge. The following encounters I'm going to relate to you from my all-time favorite series, Unsolved Mysteries. hey A lot of this is going to be directly quoted because I find these stories so fascinated that I don't want to summarize it in my own words. I want you yeah. to hear directly from the witnesses what they encountered. So this comes from Unsolved Mysteries. One summer night in 1988, several employees of the Clovewood Lodge on Big Moose Lake, including Rhonda Busalot, were approached were approaching the staff lodge. Rhonda led the pack, unaware that someone or something might be waiting inside. She's quoted the same. I walked into the staff lodge straight up the stairs with my hand out, reaching for a string, which is how to turn on the light. As I approached the top of the stairs, and just before I was ready to turn on the light, a feeling came over me that somebody was right there. More or less, I stopped in my tracks and really just didn't move. I didn't have an overwhelming feeling of fright, but something definitely or someone was there. It just kind of took my breath away. But the real show was going on outside. According to Rhonda, her friends were witnessing a spine-tingling vision at the exact same moment. She is quoted as saying, All three of them had the exact story. It lingered for just a few seconds and then moved away. All three of them saw the ghost. I didn't see anything myself, but I felt that somebody was right there, and it was just a strange feeling. Linda Lee Mackman had her own encounter with Grace Brown a few months after. I was walking down towards the lake with my flashlight, and the light was getting dimmer and dimmer. By the time I got to the edge of the lake in the rocks, my flashlight wasn't working, so I had to turn around and go back. 
I was awestruck, and not only was I certain that I was looking at a ghost, but I had a very strong feeling of sadness. She was very sad. Heartbroken alone, Grace's spirits continued. Let me start that again because baby in the background. Yep. Heartbroken and alone, Grace's spirit continues to be seen in full-body apparition at Big Moose Lake, often seen hovering over the lake water or on the balcony of the lodge. She's frequently reported as giving off of an aura of sadness and hopelessness. She's seen in full-body apparition wearing a long dress with her hair worn back, tied up in a bun. Mm -hmm. It's my personal hope that Grace finds peace in her afterlife as the memory of her torrid love affair lives on, reminding us all that those closest to us aren't often as they seem. Wow. So, well, first off, you were telling the ghost story, and either my husband just got home, or they're blowing stuff up on base, but all of my windows started to rattle as you were telling that. Oh. Uh, so that was what, <laughs> you probably saw, I like, I muted myself, and I took my headset off for a second, and I was like, hold on, like, am I gonna be possessed in a minute like and there's a baby crying in the background which is terribly sad considering she was expecting at the time of her death so is it just a coincidence or does this Gillette have something to do with like the best a man can get Gillette that family actually does I believe own the Gillette razor oh wow I should say that Chester Gillette's uncle who owns the Gillette skirt factory refused to pay for Chester's Gillette Okay. I should go on to say that Chester Gillette's uncle, who owned the Gillette Skirt Factory at the time where Grace May Brown worked, refused to pay for his nephew's defense in the case. Good. Which I thought was pretty honorable. Yeah, screw that guy. Yeah. Dang. Well, that's that's pretty sad that she's remembered as such a nag. Yeah, according to her love letters... She was just very trusting, innocent girl that got yeah. mixed up with this guy who... Well, and she was pretty young, too, wasn't she? How old was she? 18. Yeah. That's... I mean, God, I think about myself at 18. Oh, 19. 19. Oh, my bad. Either way, at 19, I was still so naive, and, you know, you just... You want that fairy tale. Yeah. And... She met him at 19, and yeah. by the age of 20, she was found to be pregnant, and... That's when she passed. That's so sad. Well, thank you for telling her story and helping her be remembered in a better light. I just, I hate that she went on to be portrayed that way. Yeah. And for some reason, this story has always really resided in me. I don't know if it's the actress's portrayal of her in Unsolved Mysteries, but Mm -hmm. it was just seeing her apparition portrayed was just haunting to me and to think that she thought she was getting ready to start a new life and she was giving up everything, her family and her friends for this yeah. man who she loved and she'd finally convinced to marry her. And instead she got the ultimate betrayal. It just, it's yeah. devastating. Well, and I think like, I mean, at least for me, I'll speak for you or for everybody, but like in my experience as a woman, you feel kind of that almost maternal need to protect these young, you know, sweet, innocent little girls that believe oh you know it he's gonna marry me and it's all gonna be okay and it's like hold on back it up if all your friends hate him there's probably a reason probably yeah like consider why everyone who you trust says "Mm, 
maybe take a step back. And definitely listen to your friends. Listen to the people yeah. who have been there much longer than the other people. Mm-hmm. Or person involved for sure. And more than that, follow your own instinct. Yeah, and if you have to beg a guy to do right by you, just leave. Just leave. Get out yep. of there. Yep. <sighs> but I really hope Grace finds peace. Yeah. It sounds like she's got an eternity of sadness and hopelessness and devastation about her, and I just hate that for her. She deserves so much better. Yeah. In life and in death. Poor Grace. I tried to find what Gillette's last meal was, but I was unable to lock that down. Oh, I do love that. What would what would your last meal be? Steak. Yeah. Yeah, I steak, bunch of chocolate, probably okay. some chicken alfredo. Yeah. Maybe some chipotle on the side. Oh, chipotle my is my love language. Please don't say chipotle around me. Oh, can you not get that in Germany? <laughs> no. Oh, my I think there me. might be one in Frankfurt, but that's like a three-hour drive, and I haven't been there yet. But swear to God, I go there, I'm just going to eat Chipotle. Oh, when I lived in Georgia, the small town I lived in for a while, the nearest Chipotle, I think, was about three hours away in Atlanta. And I couldn't do it. That yeah. was one of my... Out of there. Was oh, like, you, like, Chipotle. you blocked out for a second. That was what? I said that was one of my main reasons for moving away from there. Is like I couldn't get Chipotle, and yeah. like that's it was so intricate. Mm-hmm. I got my free guac mode activated right now, <laughs> so I mean I don't want to because I'm trying to save money. But I might just order that for lunch to cheer mm-hmm. myself up from not feeling well, and then being sad about Grace May Brown again. Well, I like, think about this girl a lot, and I have since I was little and saw that episode. I know. Funny. It's really just registered with me, and I feel so bad for her. Well, you I also some... think it's really relatable, you know, in the sense that we've all dated that person our friends have warned us yeah. against. Of, ah, he's he's jerk. He's he's well, a fuck boy. He's a think, whatever. I think we've all believed and been engineered Hoped. to believe that we can change them, or they will they will grow for us. And a lot of times they won't. And it's not our job to grow them. To fix anybody. No, no, absolutely not. And if you're in that situation, we love you and we support you. And we hope that you are able to take the steps necessary to get yourself into a different situation. And definitely don't go out on a rowboat. Yeah, just in general. (sighs) I mean, you got to take into account at the time. A lot of the outfits those women would wear were very thick and very heavy. So if you were submerged in the water, even if you did know how to swim, a lot of Mm -hmm. times the weight of the outfit could drag you down too. A lot of the skirts were multiple leveled, made of thick wool. It wasn't easy to swim in. Yeah, I mean, I always, I know it's kind of corny and of course it's, you know, a facsimile of the truth. But I always go back to like the Titanic when the boat starts to sink and Rose has to go down to where Jack is handcuffed. And she just starts ripping off the outer layers of that huge, gorgeous dress she's wearing because it's so freaking heavy as the bottoms of the boat starts to fill with water. And it's like, I mean, those dresses are tens of pounds. Yeah. I mean, that's Grace came from a... Uh, definitely a less wealthier family. So well, yeah. I'll send you a picture of her. She's often seen in some of the photographs that exist of her as wearing mm-hmm. kind of a chiffon white turtleneck blouse. Yeah. Um, and a button up 
and then big thick heavy skirts yeah I just I can't imagine like I have had to like wade in jeans before and that was miserable I can't imagine any sort of big heavy like Victorian era dress that just sounds like not a good time so what did you bring for me today? I can't right. wait to hear it because so, I hear you're going to butcher some Japanese. I, I am. I'm going to try. Um, okay. I'm going to switch over to my notes since I let my tablet die. Would it make um, you feel better if I butchered some Japanese prior to you going? Uh, I think you have done enough. <laughs> did you like my Chester Gillette voice and my Grace Mae Brown voice? I try I to I try to add some personality in there. It but was I'm no, also very sick. So it was no transatlantic Gandalf, but I'll take what I can get. You know what? When I feel better, I'll give you a heap ton of transatlantic Gandalf. <laughs> um, so tonight I kind of have a twofer. Um cool. because the first story that I originally did notes for, it was just kind of short. Um mm-hmm. But actually, this name, I, I kind of struggled to get good notes because this name is actually attached to a much bigger story. Ooh. And so I just kind of decided that I'm going to start you off with an appetizer and then get into a more substantial story. Ooh, we're going to have like a coarse meal of goodness here. We Can't are. Wait. And hold on, I'm figuring out if I can pop this out so I can still see you while I do these notes. Okay, good enough. Um, all right. And it's kind of weird, like, there are some similarities almost between our stories, just because my second one gets a little true crimey, a lot true crimey. Okay. Um, so usually we coordinate. Is it in the same year again? No, it's okay. like hundreds of years before yours. That was weird right. when we, we've done that a couple times. And uh, yeah, we're, we don't talk about what we're going to do. So yeah. for our listeners out there, Rue and I really don't talk about the podcast prior to recording it. Mm-hmm. We do say what topic we're likely going to cover so the other person does something different. Um, and so that we're constantly bringing you some different topics and shaking things up a bit. Yeah. So we had not discussed, but we've been often getting the same year or off yeah. by like one year in the same time era. And we're like, what? Yeah. No, it's, and, and this week we didn't even communicate at all really. Cause between you being sick and me being super busy with the theater and stuff. Yeah. It's been crazy. Okay. So today I'm going to tell you first about Akiku, the hair growing doll. I am so in. I figured. So I wanted to do a creepy doll story to try and dissuade you from your obsession with Anita because I'm... I haven't checked on her for a bit. I'm concerned and as your friend who loves you, want to maybe remind you that we don't buy scary dolls. Um, but we're not going to judge anybody who does. No, but we personally maybe shouldn't. Okay. Okay. Uh, so I wanted to tell you the story to try and maybe remind you of some of the weird things that can happen with dolls. Yeah. So there are a few different versions of this legend, and I'm going to put a big supposedly Superman-esque doodle stamp over this story. Um, Our trademark supposedly doodle stamp. (laughs) Exactly. Just because it's got, I don't want to say that it's not real, but it's got some makings for being a little inflated. Um, okay. If it makes you feel any better, I cannot find Anita on eBay right now. Usually she just pops up waiting for me, so maybe she's been <laughs> sold. 
Usually she texts Maybe you. one of our non-existent listeners have picked her up. <laughs> okay, hold on. When did your story take place? Uh, yeah, well, it ranges. She met him in 1905. Oh, no, at 1904, she starts working at the factory. She meets him in 1905. She's okay. pregnant in 1906, and that's about when the death takes place, and then the trial happens okay. after that. Because my first story does start in 1918. That's pretty close. It's pretty close. Okay. That is pretty close. So, in 1918, Aikuchi Suzuki, and we're going to hope that I said that properly. Um, that sounds pretty good. Yep. So Akuchi Suzuki is a 17-year-old student from Hokkaido, and he was visiting Sapporo for a marine exhibit. He decided to take a stroll through Tanuki Koji. God, I'm sorry, everyone that's of Japanese descent and or smarter than me. Um, so Tanuku, Tanuki, so Tanuki Koji is Sapporo's famous shopping district and so here he found this sweet doll um, and he immediately knew that he needed to take her home to his two-year-old little sister okiku okiku i love that yeah so so this doll was 16 inches tall and she had a bobbed okapa haircut so that's kind of the very straight blunt bangs and then the little bob that like you see that we all had in the 90s you are describing right now a doll I very much owned as a child. It was a oh Japanese my. doll that someone brought me back from Japan, and she had the same haircut. Mm-hmm. I want to hear more about the doll and see if it matches. Well, so to be fair, the Okapa haircut is very popular in Japan, well and known. especially yeah. was super popular at that time. Um, so this doll, in addition to that haircut, she had kind of these black, they looked a little beady eyes um and she was dressed in like a a classic kimono okay what color was the kimono oh you know? i think it was i looked at pictures i i'm like mandela affecting but i think it was pink okay Whew. all right hold on mine had a blue kimono and she came with a blue silk pillow that she sat on it was very Aww. pretty doll yeah no it's okay i just looked it up again it's like pink and white it has like yeah, show uh, me. Flip it around. Well, I can't yet. Oh, okay. No, no spoilers. I'll All show right. you later, and we'll put it up on our um. Of course. Social medias later. Which I need to get to. I upgraded our Instagram a little bit. Yay! Okay. Well, oh, I'll take care of Facebook today. Sidebar. Hold on, just because I'm super proud of it. Um, I'll. I already have enough editing, so I'm just gonna edit this out. Did you see what I did to our freaking Instagram? I'm so proud of this. No, I haven't. But I have been checking our email and we haven't gotten any yet. I don't yeah. think anybody listens to us yet. We have yet. 15 listens on our first two episodes. So Okay. Can yeah. we? Yeah. Maybe yeah. we push. Yeah. I will we'll sidebar it on my Facebook. I still need so. to share. I have yeah. been very much off social media. No, you're and good. Like I've... the couple times I've gone to share it, like I've seen stuff and I just had to close out. Yeah. I so, felt really weird I've been, about, like, I've been failing right now. No, you're good. I felt super weird about, like, self-promoting and taking away from things, so, like, I had yeah. to get over my hump. But anyways, no, so I figured out how, so, like, you know how on our Facebook and our Twitter cover, we have, like, the new episodes out each Tuesday? Uh-huh. That's, like, in the cover format? I figured out how to do a grid on Instagram. <gasps> oh, and that's made awesome! that. Yeah, I was super proud of myself for that one. Wow! 
Wow. Yeah. I'm proud of you. Thanks. All right. Anyway. So, um, so, uh, okay. So Akiko ended up, she loved her doll so much that she named it after herself and she took it everywhere with her. Like her big brother did a bang up job on getting his little sister a present. It was her most sweet. I know it was her most beloved item. And so Akiku took her dolly everywhere and cuddled with her and she was just, they were inseparable. Unfortunately, the next year, the now three-year-old Akiku fell ill with a cold and ultimately passed away. So the doll was actually supposed to be buried with her, but it ended up that she wasn't, that the doll was not interred with her. I don't know why that was necessarily, but... Well, maybe her parents wanted to keep it because it was her prized possession to remember her by or... Mm -hmm. And so it ended up that the family put the doll on their family altar um, to remember their lost daughter. And they would pray at this altar frequently. It was, you know, where they would remember the people who'd gone before them. Yeah. So shortly after the real Akiku passed, the family noticed something bizarre. The doll's hair had begun to grow. And it grew in kind of random lengths, like how real hair grows. Like it wasn't like it was you know, shifting out from the places where it had been plugged into the porcelain. Um, it was growing um, like human hair. Uh, okay. <laughs> so they believed that this indicated that Akiku's spirit was in the doll. Which, why you would then show your presence by growing hair, I don't know. But, you know, go off, three-year-old. She was three. That's, you know, yeah. hey, it kind of reminds me of those Barbies. Do you remember the Barbies that would grow hair that you uh-huh. pull the hair longer and then you cut it and stuff? Yes. Kind of reminds me of that. A little, yeah. So in 1938, the family moved away from Hokkaido. Uh, they felt apprehensive about taking the doll with them because they believed that their daughter was inside it. And so they wanted to leave her in the doll on the island. Um, and so they decided to leave it with the monks of the Menenji Temple. And, you know, it was the sacred place. They're like, well, you know, our daughter's buried, but maybe this is her spirit. So let's let her live in this sacred place and be cared for by these monks. That's sweet. Yeah. And so Akiku has lived at the temple ever since that moment. And she's still cared for there today and is on display. Um, And you can go and visit, but there's no photography allowed. Um. So, Akiku's, Akiku the doll, um, okay, so the doll Akiku's hair now flows down to her knees. That's very long. So, if you remember, it started out, like, kind of a shorter than shoulder length bob, yeah. Yeah, and now it's past her knees? And it's trimmed regularly by the monks. Oh, okay. This was not a one-time, oh, it's longer now. Yeah, it's... It continues to grow and is annually trimmed. So... Did they braid it or anything? Nope, they just let it flow. So just for those of us, like both of us, that are bad at math, uh, it's been like 80 years, and they still have to regularly trim her hair. That's incredible because 
I mean, at first I was thinking, okay, if the doll was made and they had longer hair strands right. inside the doll and only some of it was showing and then over time it was starting to come mm-hmm. out a little bit, that could look ideally like yeah. the hair was growing. But it's been but 80 years. This is since Not that much hair could be inside a doll. Right. Wow. Okay, cool. Yeah. And so the monks actually started to give her haircuts after she appeared to one of them in a dream and asked him to. You know, I gotta say, Rue, if the story is to talk me out of buying a haunted doll, it's really not working so far. You got some work to do. Oh my, because this, like, 100% makes me never want to see another doll in my life. I don't know, it kind of makes me want to buy her some hair accessories and braid her hair and stuff. Jesus, you're a hopeless case. Um, I'm not, I haven't done it. This I'm not true. gonna. I mean, I do think we need to give Justin a haunted item. I 100% agree. And find out how that goes. Yes. But. So, supposedly, a scientist supposedly. actually took a sample of the doll's hair and discovered that it really is human hair that belongs to a child. <gasps> Which. They, they should totally DNA test that with one of her family members. Should. I 100% agree, and I would love to follow up on this story and see if that happens so it sounds really crazy but i mean this is a hundred years ago it's unclear if you know human hair was used to create these dolls yeah Yeah, oftentimes it would be in different cultures i don't know why japan would be any different exactly and so i mean it, it may not be weird and like you said i would love to see some dna testing to see if it does line up to the suzuki family and yeah, that would be wild. So Suzuki, any relation to Suzuki motorcycles? I'm not sure, but I do believe that that's a pretty common Japanese surname. Okay. Well, I just thought since I yeah. did the Gillette thing, you know. Yeah, I'm not sure that would be super wild. Um, it's also said that if you get up really close to the doll Okiku, that you can see her mouth is over time slowly opening and you can see teeth growing in the mouth as well. But that one seems a little more skeptical. What What's going to happen when her mouth fully opens? I don't know. But that is the story of Akiku, the doll who grows hair. And we'll post a picture on our social media, but that's what she looks like. And oh, you can wow. see her hair is like, you can see how Very it's like kind of stringy and like, yeah, how like, like our hair grows. Hair grow. Yeah. Also, they need to take her to a salon because, I mean, let's face it, the monks, I'm sure they're trying to cut her hair evenly and all that, but they could do a little bit of a better job. Yeah. She probably, after 80 years, needs, like, a a deep conditioning keratin Well, like, just a little touch-up, you know? Take her to someone who does it for a living. Get her all trimmed up. Mm -hmm. This dead end's out of the way. Even up those bangs a little. Yeah, we all all need some post-COVID hair love. True. I yeah. feel like I feel like maybe a kiku does too. Yeah. Uh, Hair well. care for a kiku. <laughs> uh, okay, so that was my first story, and just because I was a little nervous that it was kind of short, I have a second story, and this one's a little bit longer, um, and also comes with a lot of speculation, but it's pretty interesting to me. So this is the story of a kiku in the well. Oh, is this the same Akiku or a different Akiku? No relation. I I looked it up, and it's hard to tell if Akiku was a popular name back then, but it seems like it was Mm -hmm. kind of popular, at least in Japanese history, that there have been a couple of Akikus. 
See, you've got a cool name that's pretty unique-ish. Mine is not. Everybody has my name. <laughs> yeah. No, I get, it's it's funny because I can tell, like, the generational gap because older people will say Rue McClanahan, like, of the Golden Girls, and then younger people go, oh, from the Hunger Games. Oh, yeah. Like, there's a very clear generational split. <laughs> yeah, okay. your name would definitely have that. Mine is just very, I mean, it's Jesse, so, of course, yeah. it's short for Jessica, which I hate. I don't like that name, so I go by Jesse with an I, but. Everybody the year I was born has that name. It was the number one most popular girl's name the year I was oh, born. Oh, man. I know. Huh. So original. <laughs> anyway. All right. No one knows how to spell my name. I keep threatening that I'm going to change it to be spelled the really cool way that I get on, like, my Starbucks drink sometimes, which is R-O-U-X. Ooh, which is like the like French that. sauce of yeah. like butter and flour. And, and I also wish... a hair care brand sold by Sally Beauty Supply. Oh, not that we're True sponsored. Story. <laughs> no, but like if we're talking hair care yeah. for the stall, let's throw right. that out there too. Yeah. No, I, I wish that I was cool enough to have an X in my name. Maybe if I ever, you know, become podcast famous, that's how I'll like sign stuff. There we go. There you go. Yeah. I okay. Like it. So a Kiku in the well. So this is a pretty well known story in Japan. And if we have any listeners who are Japanese or um are of Japanese descent. I would love to hear if you grew up with the story. Um, that said, I am very much not of Japanese descent, and so I'm probably going to get a lot of the details wrong, and I'm definitely going to continue to butcher some of these names. So supposedly in 1655, we're taking it way back, there was a young servant girl named Okiku, um, and she was at the Himeji Castle in Hyogo, Japan. She served the powerful samurai Aoyama Tetsuzan, who was a regent for Lord Norimoto, who was the true ruler of the castle. So one day, Okiku overheard Aoyama discussing a plan to kill Lord Norimoto to seize the power for himself. <gasps> Intriguing. I know. She confided what she'd heard in her partner. She confided what she heard into her. Wow. She confided what she heard into. What the fuck is wrong with me? It's all right. I had a really rough go of it. Uh, okay. I think it's because like the format's so different on my computer. She confided what she overheard in her partner, Motonobu. And Motonobu told his allies, um, the other people who were also servants in the castle, and they promised her that they would not let this plan be carried out. They were all very loyal to Lord Norimoto, um, as opposed to this uh, samurai. So, I scrolled too far. Okay, so they ended up that Motonobu, that Motonobu and his allies warned Lord Norimoto of this plan, so he left the city entirely. He had somewhere else to go and hang out and do his lordly duties. So, if, unfortunately, the act of him leaving the city did then have the same effect as the plot to murder him. So, Lord Norimoto's absence allowed Aoyama to take control. And he knew that there was a traitor in the midst. 
because he was close enough to Lord Norimoto to know if this guy was planning on going on vacation or, you know, leaving for a while. There's no reason that you wouldn't tell effectively, like, the vice president you just up and leave in the middle of the night. It's kind of sketchy. So, um, he takes over and things are not great. He knows that there's a traitor in his midst and so he starts to like seek out and he figures that it's one of these servants so fearing punishment one of motonobu's co-conspirators sold out okiku to one of aoyama's warriors danshiro to lessen his own punishment it was kind of like a plea deal um and so this danshiro guy was kind of an asshole he saw how beautiful Okiku was, and I scrolled too far. He saw how beautiful Okiku was and decided to go to her directly instead of telling um, Aoyama what he'd found out. And so he offered that he would spare her life if she married him, which is a douche move. Like, hey, I won't kill you if you marry me. Marry me or death. Yeah, like, yeah. excuse me, That's no, thank you. That's a frickin' proposal right there. Right. So, Okiku was very much in love with Motonobu, and also, like, Danshiro was a total jerk, so she refused him over and over and over again as he continued to ask. So kind of the inverse of what was going on with your story. Um, this time it was the lady saying no thank you. So Danshiro at this point is filled with a jealous rage. He knows that Okiku is in love with Motonobu and he won't have it because, you know, he's this powerful warrior and who is she to turn him down for this, you know, peasant essentially. And so he's Mm got to show off and he wants to prove a point. So he steals one of Aoyama's family heirloom plates, like these beautiful ornate you know, like what you'd put in a china cabinet kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so he steals one of them out of a set of ten and framed Okiku for the threat. And framed Okiku for the theft. Why is it getting I... so dark? I don't know. What the fuck? Nothing, like literally nothing changed in the room. Oh, I don't love that. Literally, there's no lighting that changed or anything in the room. That's like, there's not any... I mean, my window's blocked by a tree, so even when the sun changes, you can't really... Or a Bro, cloud passes. what the fuck? Uh, might be Jim. Hi, Jim! But, Jim, I respect your space, you respect mine, you're not allowed in my bedroom, so please go back to the basement if you're here. Although we do appreciate that you said hi on the podcast, if that was you. Um, yeah, that was really weird. Okay, so I'm pretty sure that Zoom records in video as well. Can we, like, take a look at this later? Yeah, of course. I mean, I gotta uh, tell you, though, I look terrible because I am sick, but you can show that off. Yeah, I saw it happen okay. on the screen, too. I could see you. It looks- I, know, I know nothing changed lighting-wise in okay, the room. Okay, hold on. I can so, see the room. This isn't great for a listener-oriented platform, so I'm doing my notes, and I've got kind of a split-screen situation happening on my computer, and I've got my do list. It, do it. We can put a clip on our Facebook we will. or Instagram or something. We will. But no, so I've got these notes on my left side, and I'm kind of glancing at Jessie's face, and she's it's daylight there. I'm in my cave where I record, but Jessie's in, you know, 1230 noon sun up 
good to go. And I look over and it's blackening. It looks like she's like closed her laptop almost. It gets so dark. And then it just gets light again. Um, so I'm kind of freaking out. <laughs> yeah, and nothing lighting in the room changed. Okay, so I have zero lights on in this room. It's just the natural light that comes in through the window. But I very much have a tree blocking my window. And even when clouds pass, it's oh my god, doing it again. It did it again. Oh my yeah. god. What and once again, it's nothing again. changing lighting-wise in my room right now. What like, it looks fuck? all the same. <laughs> okay, is your webcam not great? No, it's been fine. This is the first time it's done this. What the fuck? What hey, the Jim? fuck? What the <laughs> fuck? Oh my god! What the What's fuck? happening? Like, my room looks exactly the same as it did two seconds ago. <laughs> I can still see um, your headset lights up, and I can still Jim, see... Jim, Jim, go to the basement, please. I think Jim's just showing off. Like, seriously, nothing's different in my room. Should I turn a light on or something? Can you see? I can see fine around my room. I can see on the screen how I'm black. There's nothing. There's. Oh my you can just god. see the lights in my headphone. Oh my god. Oh, Jim, please. I respect your space. You respect mine. I don't know. Someone's showing off, or something's happening. Um, I'm gonna turn some lights on. Okay. Sorry. Uh, no, it's fine. Um, so my story feels really boring now that we have an actual, like, encounter. Something happening there. I don't, I don't know what that it's was about. It's so dark. It literally, now that you have your lamp on, is as dark for you as it is for me, and it's almost nine o'clock, and now it's getting brighter again. Okay. Thank you. The, okay. All right. Okay. So that clip will be on our social media, and it's way better than any of the stories we're ever going to tell. <laughs> Um, really glad that your ghosts decided to show up in a visual way instead of, like, saying, yo, what's know. up? I don't know what that was. We might have to go back and listen to the audio and see if there's an EVP or something. Because, honestly, yeah. I'm looking around my room. Nothing in my room lighting-wise changed. It looked exactly the same. So it's not like, oh, a cloud passed in front of the sun and the natural light dimmed or something. Bro, that's I didn't so see the scary. darkness. I can only see the darkness on the screen. Bro, I don't fucking love that. It didn't feel weird, if that makes you feel any better. Um, sure. Okay. Uh, like, it just felt like it always does here. Great. <laughs> I'm also very, I'm on a lot of cold medicine, so. Okay, but that's If Jim not, was around, there's a good chance that I'm not feeling him right now. That's not you being high. I for sure saw that. Okay. okay. So All right. Back to my boring story now. Akiku in the well. So he yep. frames her for stealing this plate. Yeah. So now, I have... feel like I have heard a version of this story before, maybe. You probably have, and by the end it's going to sound super familiar. Okay, I'm so ready. This is actually like, excuse me. <coughs> Sorry, I told you I was around hey, dust all hey, day, too. Hey, we should do something really crazy. What? Hey, Jim. Jim, if you're here and you did that, will you go over to Rue, where Rue is, and will you do the same thing on her screen? With her? In Germany? I'll oh, give you a while. I assume it takes a while to travel to Germany. I know you got me fucked up, Senate. You know I already got something happening downstairs. Like, I don't need your it's help. It's just Jim. He's like... <sighs> it's Jim. We've talked about him. He's cool. Hey, don't worry. He's all good. Actually, Germany might be a big ask. If you feel like it, 
cool. If not, we get it. Oh, we'll man. Okay. I don't know if he can leave. Well, he's not here a lot of the time. Yeah. He's not here. Hmm. So. Okay. So, Akiko gets framed for this missing plate. Um, and so, she's now searching the rooms of the palace frantically, trying to find the missing plate, but she couldn't. So, she knew that, you know, this plate being missing is going to look really bad for the servant. Like, no one's going to believe her. There's no, oh, it wasn't me, it was Dan Shiro, and he's been plotting to, blo-. like, no one cares. You're the servant. Right. Theft is super, po- like, super common. Being framed for theft is super common. Also, the mistreatment for servants is not great, or the treatment of servants is not great in any culture, including right. ours. <laughs> Just feels really, I was doing these notes and I was like, wow, this feels still relevant. Um, so at one point while she's frantically searching the palace, Danshiro corners Akiku. And he told her that he had stolen the plate. He totally fesses up. And he agreed that... And he told her that if she agreed to marry him, he would return it and clear her name. And be like, oh, it was just me. I was just playing. Because he would never get in trouble. Like, whatever. Oh, it got found. I guess it was a mistake. Uh-huh. And so she refuses him a final time. She's like, Dan Shiro, you are such an asshole. You're literally about to get me killed over a plate. You threaten me. You do all this stuff. I'm not going to marry you. And so this is too far for him. He flies into a jealous rage and draws his sword with lightning speed quicker than she can even figure out what's happening. One slash was all that was necessary. He struck her so quickly she didn't even have a chance to try and run. So unfortunately, Denshiro has now killed Akiku. And he... Now that his blood starts to cool a little bit, he realizes that it's not great to kill a servant because technically that's like the property of the estate. Mm-hmm. And especially so that because itself is kind of like theft. Right. Especially because she was the servant girl of Aoyama, who's this guy who's overthrown Lord Norimoto. So he's already not a great guy. So you can imagine that like he's Ooh, not yeah, gonna be piss him off. super happy with you. So Denshiro knows that now he needs to stash Okiku's body somewhere. So he decided that the safest place would be to just throw her into the well. And so that's what he does. No one thinks to look for her because the story that um, was told by Denshiro to Aoyama and then spread out to the rest of the warriors was, oh, you know, Okiku must have stolen this plate and ran away with it to try and start a new life. She would have pawned it somewhere and gotten a little bit of money to be able to then hopefully have this new life. Motonobu knew right away that this story was bunk. And so he and his accomplices continued to rise against Aoyama. They're like, you know, you're not even the rightful leader. This is still Lord Norimoto's estate. Um, And eventually they actually were successful in overthrowing Aoyama and Lord Norimoto returned, and Danshiro's murder of Okiku was eventually discovered. <clears throat> Do you so, know how it was discovered? Um, I don't know necessarily how it was discovered, but I think it was more so that just like once Lord Norimoto showed back up, that Motonobu and his accomplices were like, "Hey, um, so while you were out, some crazy shit happened." And 
this is what it was, and I guess they believed him, or I don't know, maybe they tortured it out. I don't know how it got found out, but it it was made right. Um, and Okiku was honored by being enshrined nearby um, as a testament to her love and bravery. I think part of probably why it was believed is because Lord Norimoto was already had reason to be suspicious of Aoyama, and since Okiku was directly a servant of Aoyama, that it was like, hey, you know, to quote Mulan, a life for a life, my debt is repaid. Like, Okiku saved Lord Norimoto by tipping him off that there was this assassination plot, Mm -hmm. and so then, oh, hey, the person who said you were going to be assassinated is dead now? Wow, wonder how that happened. And so I think, like, he got home and was like, oh, shit, like, this girl who protected me has been murdered. So, you know, one plus one equals death. So she's been enshrined in this nearby tomb um, on the outskirts of the city. And it's a really beautiful kind of garden. And um, That's nice that it's a nice place. It is. It is. But unfortunately, it sounds like not all of her is there. So at dusk, it's said that near the well, you can hear whimpering or whispers from within it. Almost immediately after her death, Okiku's ghost would come shrieking out of the well each night and go to the pantry where she would count the plates. And when she would get to nine, she would note that the tenth one was still missing and let out a piercing shriek. So she's still in the afterlife said to be trying to find this missing plate to clear her name. And so you'll hear, obviously in Japanese, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and then shriek. Do you know it? Ichi ni san. Ichi ni san. Chi, right? We're going to butcher this. Ichi ni san, chi, go. Go. I only know five. Okay. Well, okay. we don't know how to count to ten in Japanese. So we, sh- so she would say those five words, and then possibly different words. Six, seven, eight, <laughs> nine in Japanese, and then it's out the <laughs> thing. She- yeah, exactly. Oh, um, the cat did not like that. <laughs> oh, you're awake now. Where were you when the darkness was descending? Right. Upon you? Huh, Artie. All right then. So supposedly the shrieking of Akiku's ghost drove Aoyama mad, which like, good, you deserve it, jackass. Yeah, from beyond the grave, do it, uh-huh. girl. Um, so it's said that the hauntings ceased when somewhere else in the palace someone would yell out ten, which made Akiku believe that they had found the tenth found plate, the plate. And, al- and that that allows her to rest. Now, I'm not sure if that's, like, a one-time, someone yelled 10 once, and now she's, like, Gucci, she's or if good. it's, like, every yeah. night that she comes up, and you're, like, oh, I found it. But apparently that is how you get her spirit to rest. To rest is say 10. So, the, so today the well is covered with a grate and surrounded by steel bars, but it's said that if you go to the palace at night, you will still hear her shrieking and maybe even see her rising up from the well. so there's other we both kind of i know you give me a lot of crap about doing aquatic things but we both kind of hit some aquaticness today we did we did people got thrown off boats thrown into a lot of throwing into water happened yeah yeah 
these poor women. I know. I know. Stay away from the water, ladies. Wear life jacket. I don't know. <laughs> Just be careful. We love you. Uh, so there are other versions of this story. It seems like maybe it's generational or by district that it kind of changes a little bit. Some people think that um, it was actually Aoyama's wife who broke the plate and they framed Akiku. It's, there's a lot of different stories, but it seems like this one that I told is like the most fleshed out version. Oh. So this story... I feel bad for Akiku. I do too. I do and too. all over a plate. Right. Yeah. Well... And also, what kind of castle only has ten plates? I think it was just because it was like an heirloom set. Ornate. Yeah. yeah. It was like the special set. So this story was turned into a kabuki performance called Banshu Sarayashiki. Ooh, good job with that. I Maybe. Think. I don't know. Um, it has also been made into many novels. There are a lot of paintings and depictions of Okiku, um, which we'll post some of those probably too. So in these paintings, Okiku is almost always depicted with a face twisted in distress, long black disheveled hair, and wearing a white gown. I, that kind of sounds familiar with the ring. So this probably sounds familiar to us Westerners because it was an inspiration for the Japanese horror film Ringu, which was later adapted as the American horror film The Ring, with Samura, or Sadako, in the Japanese version as the antagonist of the film, representing Okiku as she rises from the well with her long black hair over her face. Spooky. Yeah, so it's basically like taking your childhood boogeyman story and then adapting it, which I think is pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Because the story is like 400 years old and they're finding new ways to keep it modern. Yeah, Rocket says hi, by the way. He's Oh, hi, Rocket. Gonna climb up over this pillow, I think. (laughs) So that is the story of Okiku in the well. I feel so bad for Okiku. I do, too. I feel bad for both Okiku and Grace. Yeah. Yep. And poor little Okiku, who's maybe trapped in a dolly. Yeah. Yeah. She's trapped in a doll. We got an Okiku in the well. Grace is trapped in the lake. It's just bad stuff. Um, I do want to mention really quickly that I used paranormalguide.com, oddityscentral.com, pinktentacle.com, and thewillowweb.com. Okay. I hate when you do that because you make me forced to say all my stuff. You're all good. I just don't remember to post it. All over. Well, I haven't posted anything yet. I'm trying. (laughs) But I'm failing miserably. So um, I'll post my sources because I can't find them real quick. But I did use unsolvedmysteries.com and a couple other sources. Awesome. The Los Angeles Herald being one, um, and then some others I'll post because I'm not going to go back and dig through it right now. I don't blame you. Well. I'll turn my light off and we'll see where we're yeah. at here. Just to see. It's an experiment. Is it light it's outside? Still dark. Yeah. 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 Huh. That's so freaking weird. What? What are you meowing about? All right. Well, you have to keep us all updated on um, if you keep getting weird blackouts. Yeah. No, I think, I don't know what that was, honestly. 
yeah. could be anything. But the, what's weird about that is the light in the room, as I'm looking at the room, didn't change at all. So, you know, if it was something with a window. Yeah. Look at what this cat is doing. He's got my mic cord. Uh, Can you see him? And he's pulling on it with his face. Stop that. He's what a alone. jerk. I'm doing a podcast, Rocket. Stop it. Well, and, like, the weirdest thing, and I feel bad because, like, this is an audio platform, but we will post the video because it was so bonkers. Yeah, with me with no makeup on and my hair not done, sick as can be. But you're, my you're all blacked out. My so the point That's is that true. we can't yeah, see you. But, but, like, no, looking at my closet and looking at the room, you know how if, like, something had passed in front of the window or anything like that, since I am using natural light, well, yeah. and a lamp right now, like, I would have seen the lighting in the room change, and there was right. no lighting in the room changing. Well, and, like, I asked if maybe it was, like, something wrong with your webcam, but the thing is, on each ear of Jesse's headset, it's, like, lit up bright blue, like an LED light. And yeah, I have LED lights light. in my, my headset. And I could still see that clear as day illuminating around it. So, like, yeah, I, I know that, that it wasn't the the <laughs> webcam blacking out. Burn some sage, mama. Yeah, I got I got some over here. I'll yeah. burn it. I'll go yeah. talk to Jim. I think since the kittens have taken over the basement, he's trying to find a new spot. I feel like he's been in the garage a lot lately. Yeah. Oh, my God, it's really black in here. What's happening with you? Do you see it? Mm-mm. I, I don't want to look. Anyways, uh... It just got really dark in yours! Great. Love it. I... I'm gonna, can I, can I, I'm gonna record. Oh, I can't, because you're the Zoom person. Yep, I'll look at it later and uh, shit my pants. Is it Jim, just because I Germany? got farther? Is it just because I nope. got farther? Because like nope. now it's, no, look, nope. see, I'm close. And then I yeah, back nope. up. Nope, nope. Okay. Nope. <laughs> All right. Um, so I'm really feeling, I had an espresso martini and now I have like really nervous, kind of drunk, giggly anxiety all right well you have a good night's sleep cool i'm just starting my day i've got an infomercial to finish up oh yikes good luck with yeah, that it's a bottle opener Ooh. All yeah right. and i still don't feel good and then i got work tonight yeah you're it's really dark over there okay jim if that's you point made you come on home him over hang out there in the garage over here so thank you so much he's not bad though mm. yeah no, like, he's, he's super handy. Right, and that was It'll Jim. Be fine. We're gonna go with that that was Jim. Yeah, like, he doesn't normally come in my room, so that would be Right, that's why I'm like, room. mm-hmm, sure. But, he, we've got a deal. So, okay. I'm gonna do a little smudging. Yeah. I'm gonna go have a talk with Jim in the basement and let him know, garage is where you're at now, though, mm-hmm. maybe he just knew we were podcasting and wanted to, we did talk about him a lot last week. We did, we did. We've always talked, he's, he's and, kind of our... Master. Yeah, and I never record anywhere else in the house. It's always yeah. my bedroom. So mm-hmm. maybe he thought he that was an invitation to come say hi and show something. Maybe. Okay. Um, <laughs> so you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at supposedlypod. And our email is supposedlypod at gmail.com. We would love Please. it. Yeah, Please we would love it if you us. talk to us, send us any stories you think we should cover or any stories you would like us to tell of yours, and just say hi. It also helps us so much. I know every single podcast says this. If you can rate and subscribe and share with a friend if you're listening. We just want to thank you for tuning in regardless. And thank you this time for joining us on Supposedly. Supposedly.
All right. Uh, bro, what the fuck? 